Matthew 22, beginning with the 35th verse. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. With that, I'd like to read Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 25 to 28. Here's another lawyer on another occasion, but the subject is the same. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor is thyself. And he, that is Jesus, said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Now that's what I want to study about tonight, is living. You can see our little motto that we've placed up here. Has it all in the short word L-I-V-E, and that spells what? Live. Live. Jesus told people how to live. This do, he said, and thou shalt live. I wish everybody was doing what he said, don't you? There wouldn't be so many people dying. They wouldn't be dying so fast. But along with this divine hand that points out the way to live, there's also a warning signal calling our attention to something else. Let's go over to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. Deuteronomy 30, beginning with the 15th verse. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Here's the good way, the way to do what? To live, L-I-V-E. But over against that there is set another way. It's the way of what? The way of death. And in that 15th verse, as life and good are associated together, what two other things are associated together? Death and evil. Now I want to show you something very interesting tonight. We hear of a play on words. This is just a play on letters, but it has a great meaning, and I want you to study it with me. Because all you have to do to make evil out of this is just to turn it around. That's all you have to do. We'll just try that. We'll take these same four letters, and instead of starting with L, we'll start with E. And that means we'll just go right backwards this time. Does that do it? That's it. That's it. That's what I want to study with you tonight. There's a great deal of evil in this world that consists in doing the right thing at the wrong time. 
Volume 6, page 24, says it is the very essence of all right faith to do the right thing at the right time. So it isn't enough to do something that is right. It's important to do it at the right time. The favorite excuse or alibi for many actions is, why, what's wrong with this? I can't see any harm in what I'm doing. But I want to tell you something, friends. If somebody is just about to die for lack of the oxygen tank, there's a good many good things that the nurse can be doing that are very evil. Am I correct? There's one thing that somebody needs to be on the job doing right now. What is it? Getting the oxygen tank to that patient. And if that's your assignment and your job, there's just one right thing to do at that time. We have a wonderful Heavenly Father, and He's never asked us, friends, to do more things than He gives us time to do. We've been told that if every moment is valued and rightly employed, we shall have time for everything that we need to do for ourselves and for the world. Isn't that wonderful? Solomon puts it this way in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter and the first verse. To everything there is a purpose, a season, and a time for every purpose under the heavens. A season for everything, a time for everything. And when we do the right thing at the right time, that's the way to live. And when we get things out of gear and out of order, and even though we're doing the right thing, it's the wrong time, that may be evil, very evil, my friends. Evil, very evil. And instead of bringing life, it brings death. There's a time for a child to eat solid food, but there's a time when that isn't the thing at all. There's a time that to eat solid food means life, but under some circumstances, some perfectly good food would mean death to the little infant baby. Is that correct? Yes. And so I might go on with many illustrations. Now the sad fact is, friends, that the world has gotten everything backwards. And so instead of spelling L-I-V-E, they're spelling E-V-I-L. That's what's the matter with this world. I repeat, the world has gotten everything backwards. And that means that if you and I follow the divine spelling instead of the devil's spelling, we will be spelling what looks backward to the world. I've been fascinated with this text in Acts 17.6. See if you don't see something very interesting in it. Now these were the enemies of the apostles that said these words. And when they said them, they thought they were making some terrible charges against the followers of Christ. As a matter of fact, they were telling the truth, and it was a compliment, but they didn't know it. They didn't mean it for a compliment. Acts 17 and 6. When they found them not, that is, these unruly ones that were looking for Paul and his group to try to persecute them, when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. What did they say Paul and his group were doing? Turning the world upside down. But do you know why they turned it world, the world upside down? To get it right side up. That's right. I repeat, the world is doing things backwards. They have things upside down. And so the Christian, the reformer, seems to be an innovator when really all he's doing is restoring paths to dwell in, raising up the foundations of many generations, as Isaiah 58:12 says. A very obvious example of that that you and I will recognize quickly 
is in the Sabbath reform that God has given this people. Is it a right thing to work? Oh yes, the fourth commandment says so. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. It's a right thing to work. But is it possible to do the right thing at the wrong time? And beginning a little while ago when the sun set until it sets tomorrow evening, thousands and millions of people all over this country will be doing the right thing, which is working, at the wrong time, which is the Sabbath. Am I correct? Yes, they're spelling it backwards. And they are literally spelling it backwards, friends, because God said to rest the last day of the week, and instead they're resting which day? The first day. Just spelling it backwards. Now, is that a harmless thing? No, because it is written, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Where is that? 1 John 3, 4. And James 2, 10 says that to break one point is to be guilty of all. So that illustrates this fact, that it's possible to do the right thing, but when it's done at the wrong time, instead of being Life, it is what? Evil. It's evil. It's transgression of the law. I recognize that there are many that don't know any better, and God accepts their well-meant efforts. But all the while, he's longing to reveal to them the better way of doing exactly what he said. Is that correct? And your joy and mine is to share with them the good news of what God's old way, his original way, his eternal way, his best way is. And that is to work the first day and the second day and the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day and the sixth day and the seventh day to do what? Rest and worship. That's right. This do, Jesus said, referring to the commandments of God, and thou shalt live. God's commandments are the way of life. To transgress the way of God is evil. And as I say, in many cases, it's just a matter of doing something which is perfectly right at the wrong time. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes 10.17. We'll get another example of this. Now, while I'm speaking, you'll think of a good many more illustrations of this, beside the few that we shall give. And every one of these things that God brings to your mind will help to deepen the understanding of this principle in your soul. To live means to obey God's commandments not only to do what he said, but to do it when he said it, when he said to do it. Ecclesiastes 10:17. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat any old time. A midnight snack. A coffee break in the morning. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat when? In due season, for strength and not for drunkenness. You see, if people eat it for strength, they'll eat when? In due season. The Revised Standard Version translates that at the proper time. You can't get it any better than that, at the proper time. Well, is there a time to eat? Yes, I'm glad, aren't you? I enjoy it when it comes. Well, if it's a happy thing to eat, why not eat all day long and be happy all day long? But does it work that way? Why no? You see... If you're going to keep God's commandments, written not only in his word, but in every nerve, muscle, and fiber of the body, if you keep God's commandments and eat in due season, eat at the proper time, then you're spelling it L-I-V-E. But when you turn that around and eat any old time, then it isn't L-I-V-E, it's E-V-I-L doing the right thing at the wrong time. You all see that, don't you, friend? 
Another illustration, the 127th Psalm in the second verse. This will help some people that the last one didn't help any. I meant by that that there are some people that are already very careful in eating at the right time, but maybe they need help on this next. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. And he says that this thing of rising up early and then sitting up late is what? It's vain. What does vain mean? Well, it's, it isn't worth it. it uh, it's a poor investment. It's a poor way to do it. In other words, it isn't the way to live, it's the way to die. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? In other words, there's time enough during the hours that God has made for work. The psalmist wrote, man goeth forth to his labor until the evening. But the modern version of that is, when the evening comes, he just switches on the lights and goes right on. But when you take L-I-V-E and turn it around, it doesn't spell live anymore. It spells what? It spells evil. And it does. Evangelism, page 651. Some youth are much opposed to order and discipline. They do not respect the rules of the home by rising at a regular hour. They lie in bed some hours after daylight when everyone should be astir. They burn the midnight oil, depending upon artificial light, to supply the place of the light that nature has provided at seasonable hours. In so doing, they not only waste precious opportunities, but cause additional expense. But in almost every case, the plea is made, I cannot get through my work. I have something to do. I cannot retire early. Thus, they are sleeping soundly when they should be awake with nature and the early morning birds. The precious habits of order are broken, and the moments thus idled away in the early morning set things out of course for the whole day. Our God is a God of order, and he desires that his children shall will to bring themselves into order and under his discipline. Would it not be better, therefore, to break up this habit of turning night into day and the fresh hours of the morning into night? What do you say on that? Well, let's do it, friends. If we haven't done it already, let's do it. Let's remember that it's possible to do the right thing at the wrong time. Is it a good thing to work? Yes, at the right time. Is it a good thing to sleep? Yes, it's very important, vital. When? At the right time. I wonder if there's any way of finding out when the right time to work is and when the right time to sleep is. Could we learn that even if we didn't have a Bible? Suppose we didn't have any spirit of prophecy messages. Would there be a way to find out when the time to work is and when the time to uh, sleep is? How many of you think you could find it out even without the Bible or spirit of prophecy? Well, then I don't need to spend any longer on that, do I? Thank the Lord for nature and its message of activity in the light and rest at night. Back to Ecclesiastes 3. What did we find in Ecclesiastes 3? The time for everything. Well, the 11th verse says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Thank God, friends, when things are on time, they're beautiful. They minister to life. It's when they're out of time, out of season, that they minister to unhappiness and death. That eighth verse says there's a time to love. A time to love. Boy, somebody might say, I thought every time was the time to love. No, it isn't. It's a time to love. There are things that are proper to love, and other things aren't proper to love at all. There are people that are proper to love in a certain way, and there are others it's proper to love them in a different way. The fifth verse 
speaking of this matter of expressing love, fifth verse, last part says, there's a time to embrace. And what's the rest of the verse? And a time to refrain from embracing. Well, how can that be? You mean a thing that's right at one time is wrong at another? Yes, that's what he said. And that's it exactly. And you know, some people that don't know any better, or if they do, aren't willing to admit it. When somebody tries to carry out the Lord's instructions, they say, Oh, but you don't believe in marriage, do you? You don't believe in marriage. Well, whatever gave you the idea? Well, you don't want the youngsters to go together. Well, is that a failure to believe in marriage? Because we don't eat between meals, does that mean we believe in never eating? The wise man says there's a time for everything. And everything is beautiful in its time. Messages to Young People, page 452. The young affections should be restrained until the period arrives when sufficient age and experience will make it honorable and safe to unfetter them. Those who will not be restrained will be in danger of dragging out an unhappy existence. A youth not out of his teens is a poor judge of the fitness of a person as young as himself to be his companion for life. I like peaches when they're ripe, but I feel sorry for people that pick them green off the tree. I've heard of children picking green apples off trees and of what happened afterwards. There is a time for everything. And love, oh friends, we could spend an hour on this instead of three minutes, but listen. Love which is beautiful between man and woman at the right time, the proper people chosen of God, is anything but beautiful, and it's anything but right at the wrong time between the wrong partners. Am I correct? Is that speaking against marriage? It's speaking against the perversion of marriage, the travesties and tragedies that are filling the land with sorrow in this age which is like Sodom and Gomorrah and like the world before the flood. And let no fear of being called a fanatic keep you from embracing these principles of strict reform in these standards that God has committed to us. Remember that L-I-V-E spelled right is live, but spell it backwards and it's evil. There are some things that need to be turned upside down in order to be right side up. Ecclesiastes 10.7. We're drawing quite a bit on Solomon tonight. He learned by sad experience what he could have learned by listening to the Lord. But he gave us the benefit both of his inspired wisdom and his uninspired experience. By uninspired, I mean that he went aside into the ways of sin and selfishness. And he learned by sad, sad experience many lessons. He wrote those down in this book, Ecclesiastes. Now here's another one of the lessons. And notice, as we read this verse, everything that's being done is right. It's just that it isn't arranged right. That's all. Ecclesiastes 10.7 I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Well, that's all right, isn't it? Well, he didn't think so because the verse before he called it folly. Folly. Well, you say, what are you thinking about now? 
Well, let you think about it a minute. Did you ever see what Solomon saw? Did you ever see somebody that was supposed to be in charge? In charge of other people that they were supposed to be in charge of? Did you ever see that situation? I see it every once in a while, and I feel like Solomon felt about it. Now, lest we leave this in a way that might seem mysterious to anybody, we'll read a comment from the book Child Guidance, page 349. The faithful mother will not be a domestic slave to humor the whims of her children and excuse them from labor. She will teach them to share with her domestic duties that they may have a knowledge of practical life. If the children share the labor with their mother, they will learn to regard useful employment as essential to happiness, ennobling rather than degrading. Now watch. But if the mother educates her daughters to be indolent, while she bears the heavy burdens of domestic life, she is teaching them to look down upon her as their servant, to wait on them and do the things they should do. The mother should ever retain her dignity. She's supposed to be the what in the household? The queen. That's right. Three times on one page it says that. Adventist home. She used to be the queen. Did you ever see the queen doing all the work while the helpers sat in chairs or tinkled on the piano or chit-chatted or did some other things? Did you ever see that? Solomon summed it all up. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Young people, if in the home you were brought up in you fail to learn this lesson, take hold and learn it now. It's good for a man that he sit in a rocking chair in his youth. Is there a verse in the Bible like that? Isn't there? What does it say? It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. That's what Jeremiah said. He started in young at it. It's Lamentations, the third chapter. Youth is the time for service for yoke-bearing. And if any child or young person has been spoiled, that's the proper word, spoiled by having parents, teachers, supervisors, or whatnot, that wait on him hand and foot, God help him to see quickly that he needs discipline. And I hope all the parents and teachers and supervisors got their ears full of what I just read. Ah, oh, friend, God is going to take some people to heaven that have learned to spell the way God spells. That have learned to do what God says the way he said it when he said to do it. They turn the world upside down because the world is wrong side up. And they don't spell L-I-V-E-E-V-I-L and then turn and look at you and say, didn't I use the same letters? Didn't I use all of them? I didn't leave out one. To do what God said, to do it when he said it and in the way he said it, that is obedience. Princes walking and servants on horses? Oh, yes. Shall I tell you a little incident? This didn't come from some fiction writer. My mother saw it several years ago in one of these supermarkets. A mother and her little boy were walking along through the great aisles of the supermarket, and she was selecting articles and putting them in the basket. They came to a particular item, and he says, No, we don't want that. She put it in. 
No, we don't want that. And he took it out. And she put it back in again. No, we don't want that. And then the mother obediently took it out and put it back on the shelf. And then do you know what the little darling said? All right, you can have it. No, friends, it's not to laugh, it's to weep. Where is that child bound for? He's bound for the lake of fire, my friend. Unless something happens to him that will get some of the fire to him quicker than that. That's just where he's bound for. What's the matter? Why has the thing all backwards? Some of you have heard of the remark of the English author who was visiting America and returning to England was asked what impressed him here in the United States. He said the thing that impressed him most was how obedient the parents were to their children. What's the matter, friends? Princes walking, servants on horses. Dear parents, I plead with you, have done with that. I was about to say nonsense. It's worse than nonsense place of the child is to obey, the place of the parent is to direct, to command. It needs to be done in love, of course. And certainly the parent knows better what's good for the child than the child does. And God is going to hold the parents responsible because they stand in the place of God to the children. There will be a time for the children to direct. There will be a time for them to get on the horse. But it isn't where they, when they're three years old or in their teens, friends. No. Children need for many years the guidance, the protection, the direction of parents who are as kings and queens in their own domain, ruling not with the tyranny of a dictator, but with the love of the great king, the heavenly father above. May I tell you, friends, that being in this land that we call a republic or a democracy sometimes gives us false views of the government of God. The government of God is not a democracy. No. No. The government of God is a theocracy. Authority in God's government does not proceed from the people. It proceeds from God, the king, the ruler. God doesn't take a vote every now and then in heaven to see whether he'll be reelected or not. And parents should not take a vote every now and then in the home to see whether they'll be reelected or not. Parents rule not by an election, but by a selection. They have been selected by God and delegated to act in his stead. And all true power comes from God. All true authority comes from him. And those who sense that will not feel that it is love to simply abdicate and say to the little child, well, now you get on the horse, and father and mother will walk, and you tell us what to do, and we'll try our best to please you. L-I-V-E is not to be spelled backwards for it. L is first, and then I, and then V, and then E. And when it's spelled that way, it's pronounced how? Live. But when it's spelled backwards, it's what? Evil. Well, now we could have many other illustrations, but I think those are enough to get us thinking. What do you say? Wouldn't you like to go on from this during the holy hours of this day and think of some other lessons of doing the right thing at the wrong time and thereby promoting and producing evil? Would it not be an an excellent exercise for these 10 billion brain cells that are stored away up there. In closing, let us turn to the 34th Psalm, verses 12 to 14. 
We'll begin with the 11th verse, Psalm 34, 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. So what do you say we turn the world upside down right here now? What do you say we take this word and put it back the way it belongs? And put this E over here at the end, the way it ought to be. And put this L at the beginning, the way it ought to be. And spell it the way God intended. L-I-V-E. This do, and thou shalt what? Live. I want to live, don't you? Someone has worded it this way. That the greatest wish that can be wished for us is this. May you truly live all the days of your life. He that hath the Son of God hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life. To accept Jesus into the heart, to accept his law as the rule of our actions, that is to live. Any change of that, any distortion of it, any perversion of it is evil. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now we shall hear from you. The remnant will reach the place where they love to do what God says. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. And where they delight to do what is desired in whatever situation they're in, whether it's in the home or the school or the church, unless it's contrary to God's will, of course. Will that be true? When we go to heaven and Jesus announces that we're going to have a certain meeting at a certain time at a certain place, will we all want to be there? Why, yes, yes. And when he says we're going to study the book of Isaiah next week, Will we all be glad to study the book of Isaiah? And so on and on, all through eternity. Isn't it a wonderful thing, friends, to get in the groove of spelling with God? Do you know that's the way we learn things as little children? Do you know how you learned that that particular symbol means L? Somebody told you. What would you do? You believed it and said it after. If you hadn't, you wouldn't have it today. That's the way it was with I and V and E and A and B and C and all the rest. Is that right? Faith is the way of life. The parents rule in the home. Really, they get their authority from God. Right. That was a new thought to me in a sense. And so students and those who are working under supervisors... When a parent or a supervisor gives an order, if he's God's messenger, it should be obeyed as though it were from the Lord. And when we do that, really, we'll serve the Lord and not man. Amen. And listen, do not voluntarily put yourself in a situation where you're under somebody unless you believe they have some authority from God to direct you. Voluntarily, I said. If Nebuchadnezzar comes down to Judea and carries you captive, and you're a slave up in Babylon, then you can believe the words of Jeremiah the prophet, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Was Nebuchadnezzar God's servant to carry out that program? That's right. So whether it is through force, as a slave, and some of us are going to be in bondage before long if we carry through on this message, aren't we? 
or whatever the circumstance, I say never be under somebody unless you believe God has put me here to respectfully cooperate with the one that I'm working under. Do that in your daily work, in school, where you live, in every situation. And if you do that, why then, folks, you're in gear with the universe. In gear with the universe. Better than you do in January? I do. I'd a whole lot rather have a watermelon in August than one they kept up till Christmas. Wouldn't you? Yes. He's made everything beautiful in its time. In its time. That which is on time, in God's time, is the best in the world. Aren't there going to be 10 million people tomorrow night that will be doing everything evil, and through it they'll be hollering, this is the life? It isn't the life at all, it's the death. It's just spelling it backwards. It is Christ. Christ liveth in me. Christ doesn't live in us if we're trying to spell it backwards, folks. I can tell you that. I'm thankful that Christ came to show each one of us how to live. Or how hopeless each one of us would be if we hadn't had someone go before us. And Elder Prezee's talked several weeks ago in orientation class, he impressed me with that fact that Christ came to show us how to live. And in his daily walks from childhood to manhood, every step we should follow. And I want to learn how to follow his steps more closely and to study his life, for by beholding we become changed. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise, and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the falling dales below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is a victory. received a blessing. But my heart goes out in this closing moment to anybody that may be on the outside. 
I'm not thinking of church membership. Many years ago, I saw a picture that impressed me very much. It was Thanksgiving Day in one of the northern cities. There was a big restaurant. It was cold and snowy outside. And pressed against the plate glass window of this restaurant, you could see all the people in there having a big dinner, you know, was a poor little boy. And his face was there against the glass. He was looking in. He was hungry, you could tell. And he was cold, you could tell that too. What did he wish? Oh, he wished he could be in there. But he couldn't. But friends, you can. You can. You can see, as you've heard these testimonies tonight, that there's some happy people that are enjoying spelling it L-I-V. But there may be somebody here tonight that doesn't know how you could be happy spelling it L-I-V. Because you've spelled it E-V-I-F. Or there may be somebody that says, well, Brother Frizee, I'd like to. God knows I want to. But God knows I'm a poor, weak person that hasn't learned how to do it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's for you tonight. And if there's somebody here tonight that needs that help from Jesus to take you out of a life of law-breaking and put you into a life of law-keeping, I say to you, Jesus is right here tonight in this room to help you. Right tonight. Not tomorrow, not next week. Tonight. This. This is the hour. You can have your heart changed. You can have your life changed. If there's somebody here that has thought you were a Christian, but as you are reined up by the Spirit of God to the holy law of God in his way of life tonight, you see that you've allowed either your own disposition and desires or the subtle philosophies of others to pervert truth. And you see that what you need is just to come back to the plain word of God and the testimonies of his spirit and do what God says, regardless of what other people do. Then I say to you, my friend, there's help for you tonight. You're not far from the kingdom. But not far from the kingdom doesn't mean inside the kingdom. That man that Jesus said, this do and thou shall live, he wasn't far from the kingdom. Read on down the chapter. Did he ever get in? That's the question. Will you get in? Merely to see what we have studied tonight is not enough. The heart must embrace it. With all the soul, we must accept the light and by the grace of God walk in it. And so if there's somebody that has been convicted by the Spirit tonight, that there's a change that needs to come in your life, and you desire help from God, this hour that God will work that change in your life, I say, why not have it right here tonight? Why, one of the greatest joys of my life is that I see from time to time men and women and children come and see God and get the help that God has for them. If I didn't see it happen, I'd quit, friends. I'd quit. I wouldn't keep on if I didn't see God fulfilling his word, but I see him do it. And I know he can do it for you. And so if there's somebody here tonight that needs help and needs it tonight, then I invite you, come forward to this altar and seek God for yourself, and we'll seek God for you, with you. Just come right where you are right now. Just get up and come up here and seek God with all the heart. And God will hear your prayer, my friend. There's no question about it. God will hear your prayer. Somebody that knows that there's a change that's got to be made in your life. 
You know, oh, you want God to make that change tonight. Remember, salvation is not something you do for God. It's something God does for you. And when God does that for you, then you can begin to do things for God because he's done something for you. But oh, don't try to shine without oil. Don't try to live without Christ. To me, to live is Christ. And if you see that you need a change in your heart and life, then I invite you, friend, come and see God. Come. Let us stand. website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.